0: The only purpose of the Talking Space podcast is to educate and to inform. The views expressed in this program are the opinions, experiences, and conclusions of the guests. They do not represent the official policy or position of the Space Tweep Society as a whole, NASA, any other space agency, company, contractor, or affiliate. We choose
1: the hell on of on the good earth. one. And one small step for man, one giant
2: leap.
0: another episode of the Talking Space podcast. This is Talking Space podcast episode 235 for the week of 10-10-10, which is October 10th, 2010. I'm Sawyer Rosenstein, and joining me tonight is Gene McCulka. Welcome, Gene.
3: Good evening, Sawyer. Glad to be here.
0: Glad to have you with us. Welcome as well, Mark Ratterman.
2: Well, Sawyer, going back to one of our conversations a few shows ago, loquat.
0: <laughs> uh... Low-quat instead of kumquat?
2: I think it beats a pineapple.
0: (laughs) What if I beat somebody with a pineapple? I
2: don't know, it looks like we're going to have to come up with rules for this game, because right now it's probably confusing to most people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Then welcome as well, Gina Hurley.
1: Hey, Sawyer, we've got a lot to talk about tonight.
0: You're not kidding, and I hope no more of it involves loquats or comquats or pineapples or whatever. Anyway, beginning off our show, we will start off with recent news that on October 9th, 2010, at 8.01 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time, the Expedition 25 crew docked with the International Space Station. The Soyuz TMA-01M spacecraft originally launched on Thursday at 7.10 p.m., and the crew, consisting of flight engineer Scott Kelly, Alexander Kaleri, and Oleg Skirposhka, who will be joining Doug Wheelock, who is the current commander of Expedition 25, as well as flight engineer Shannon Walker and Fyodor Yurchinkin, who have been aboard the station since June. The three new members will be staying there for about five and a half months. And uh, what do you think will come about Expedition 25?
3: Well, there's something, a little interesting thing that's coming up through Expedition 25, not exactly just yet. will be when uh, STS-134 uh, launches in February. I believe Scott Kelly will um, be there as long, and his brother, who will be the commander of the flight.
1: His uh, twin his brother. brother.
3: Mar- his twin brother. Yep. Thank you, Gina. Will be the commander of the flight on, uh, on Endeavour. And uh, I believe this is the first time not just two blood relatives, but uh, uh, two twins have actually been um, on board uh, and uh, on board the ISS or been in space in in general. So it's going to be kind of an interesting deal and have two brothers kind of sort of sharing the experience. Uh, I kind of remember, I believe it was an interview with with, uh, Scott Kelly uh, on NASA television I was watching and um the uh the interviewer asked uh Scott uh, what what do your parents think of having both of their uh, their kids up uh you know on uh you know on on the ISS and um or off world at the same time and uh Scott Kelly respond uh responded to the effect that well i don't think they like any of us being off world for any prolonged period of time so it's going to be a little bit of stressful for them, but it's, he said it's going to be a, a neat time for uh, for the two brothers. So I I, I wish the crew of uh, Expedition twenty five well, and I wish the crew of uh, uh, the few, the crew of S D S one thirty three and one thirty four well.
1: And is it my understanding that this was not pre planned, but only through sheer luck when NASA had to uh, delay the final shuttle missions missions and change around um, the Endeavour and Discovery flight that this has even come to pass
3: that's correct Gina. what was supposed to happen was STS 134 was supposed to fly before STS 133 but uh, Mark forgive me but I I think it was developmental problems with uh, the Alpha Magnetic Spectrometer that kind of held some things up correct
2: yeah they reconfigured the AMS from a super cooled magnet to a permanent magnet that would provide them longer life uh, longer science on station uh, I know that switched it, but I was thinking that uh, Scott Kelly uh, was one of the speakers at the tweet up November of '09, and he spoke about being in space with his brother. And I'm wondering if the flip-flop just put a switch in who's there first. I may not be remembering that correctly, but uh, that definitely is a first.
0: Not sure, but that's a good question.
2: Hey, got another side note about the docking. I don't know if you remember this. We talked about it recently, that the Soyuz capsule, the TMA-01M, was the first one to use a new uh, digital uh, – they call it the digital Soyuz, and it replaced an analog system. And I read that the docking was nominal for use of their new uh, new, new digital systems. So,
0: However, it did seem it. like at the very last minute there was a small correction – it did seem like there was something at first that you know seemed off. Whatever it was, I was holding my breath for the new system, and it worked, and they are on the station safely.
3: Yeah, uh, Mark, if I'm not mistaken, that that saves about 150 pounds on board Soyuz. Uh, if if I'm correct on that,
2: right, right. Yeah, and I,
3: I thought it was also kind of ingenious too. The crew patch for the uh, for the Soyuz mission was. Uh, 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 there's a, it's a picture of the Soyuz, but it's in digital format, all ones and zeros.
0: <laughs> you know, I just realized that now as I'm looking at the, uh, at it.
3: Yeah, I thought that was kind of neat.
0: <laughs> that is neat. Let's continue along with our next topic. Our next topic was that the VSS Enterprise, better known as Spaceship 2 by Virgin Galactic... Successfully completed its first drop test today, at 45,000 feet in the air over the Mojave Desert in California. Are we getting closer to manned suborbital flight that has nothing to do with government?
3: It's good to see that uh, things are moving quite uh, quite uh, swimmingly with uh, with the VSS Enterprise. Um, I'm wishing Virgin Galactic all the best. Uh, again, this is a, a suborbital effort. Am I correct, sir?
0: Yes, this is planned to be suborbital once it is working, not actual full orbital flights.
3: Right, but it's a start, and uh, I wish them all the best. And uh, you know, if, who knows when this starts taking off? You're still going to have some, you know, high profile folks with some deep wallets uh, going in there to invest some money in uh, in doing what uh, Alan Shepard did some uh, some years ago and uh, who knows, maybe this will be the start of, uh, of a whole new uh, industry here and because it's a whole, the start of a whole new industry here, maybe it'll go ahead and more, as more people go into it go ahead and uh, you know keep the cost down and so on and so forth and uh, maybe as things go on who knows, maybe we'll go orbital and that's what I'm waiting for then, then, then I'll whip out my wallet
0: That actually brings up a good question with this suborbital flight If you could and you knew it worked, would you guys pay $200,000 for it? Because it seems to be going well so far, but would all of you actually pay for it? Tell you what, Sawyer,
2: you you pay and I'll fly.
0: If you had to pay for it yourself, though, would you actually do it?
3: If I won the lottery, yeah. (laughs) Um, Right now, I don't know. I mean, shoot, I don't know if I can mortgage the house to do it.
1: I think... I think, like anything, the first, the first people, the first, um, you know, the first tech, when for technology comes out, you know, the the big screen TV is three thousand dollars, and the gotta have will run out and buy it, and then give it a few years, and you can get a big screen TV for eight hundred dollars. I think I would wait a bit, and then do it.
3: I'm with Gina on that one. Uh, if I, rem- I shoot, Gina. I remember when the fir- when when the flat panels first started coming out. Um, they were high, much higher than that. Some of them I saw were for, for like seven or ten thousand dollars. And I knew for eventually they're going to be coming down in price. And sure enough, you can go down to your Walmart now and pick up a flat panel television now for what about eight hundred, nine hundred bucks.
1: Right. So I think I would be on the side of. I'll give it a few years and then I'll go to the bank
3: I'm with I, I'm with her
2: <laughs> yeah I don't know I got to be contrary I don't think I'd fly regardless I don't think I would
3: why is that mark seriously
2: uh, it's risky expensive short duration even if you got a few a few orbits around uh, yeah I don't know A lot of places I'd like to see in the U.S. and around the world first from the ground and then maybe from the air and space. I mean, if you put it in the context of a vacation, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's up there because it's a -a once-in-a-lifetime thing. But uh, that's the problem with once-in-a-lifetimes. If you really like it, it's tough to go back.
0: Right, because there are people that are paying... You know a good five thousand dollars just to experience weightlessness for a few minutes right this brings up a good point with the price drop and it probably will it's just I don't know I would probably do it there's how many chances are you gonna get to go into quote-unquote space and is that going to count towards the number of people that actually go into space
2: I think they'll what? add a column to the uh, spreadsheet.
1: Yeah, me too. Because <clears throat> what's the what is this fifty or sixty thousand feet makes you an official astronaut according uh, to NASA?
0: Fifty miles.
1: Fifty miles.
0: I'm not sure what that is in feet, but I know it's fifty miles. Okay. So yeah, they they'll have to do something different because as of right now, there's five hundred. So are we going to end up with 5,000 in a few years? or That's just my thought on that. Anything else? Before we move on to what I think is going to be a really big topic. We've got a lot to say about this one just based on what we were discussing in the pre-show. Mm-hmm. The first thing was, if you remember a couple of episodes ago, we were discussing how Uh, Congress was believed to be building the next rocket that NASA will be taking. Well, Bobby Braun is saying, nope, we're doing it. We, the engineers at NASA, are going to do it. What do you think about this? I have a feeling we all agree, but what's your thought on... uh,
1: Well, let's point out that Bobby Braun is NASA's chief technologist and really charged with the vision of NASA. And with all the hubbub that's happening on the Hill right now, with the budget and the president, you know, this is the president's plan that he's asking Congress to get behind. Bobby Braun has come out and said, no, Congress is not going to decide what rocket we fly into space. NASA will decide. So I'm glad to see that um, someone at NASA um, is sort of taking the bull by the horns because our administrator, Charlie Bolden, seems very much um, in agreement, lockstep agreement with the president, that uh, his plan is the the plan that NASA needs to take. So I think this was a bold move for him to make a statement like this. He really is kind of going against really what Charlie Bolden is trying to sell. And I think he's kind of drawn a line in the sand, perhaps, outside of NASA and inside the uh, agency for himself.
3: I think, too, Dr. Braun is saying that we're not going to make the same mistake twice. The if if people sort of go back and look at the history of the shuttle program, uh, the shuttle was essentially designed not by engineers but by the requirements of politicians. And what we got and what we wanted were two different things. What we have, what we eventually wanted was a system that was going to be economically you know economic to operate. Um, But it was going to be sort of expensive to go ahead and and develop. What we wound up getting was the exact opposite. We got something that was, well, inexpensive to to build from, you know, from the aspect of, uh, you know, from aspects of that point, but a bear to maintain, you know, very expensive to maintain and operate. and. I guess what Dr. Braun is saying is we're not going to make the same mistake again with the new vehicle that we design or the new heavy lift booster that we design. We're going to let engineers design it based on project requirements and not based on what somebody in Congress is advocating.
0: Right. I mean with what you're saying, the exact uh, specs for the payload bay of the space shuttle was designed solely for the government so they could bring up their spy satellites on board it.
3: That's correct, and unfortunately, it kind of sent the wrong signal um if if I re- recall um exactly during the old during the early days of the shuttle program it kind of sent the wrong signal and it turned out to be a little bit of a propaganda coup for the Soviet Union uh They were saying that the shuttle program was essentially military in thrust and uh, uh which which was not the truth but it did have military applications in fact if just to uh, refresh some memories um, there was a, um, a shuttle facility that was being built over at Vandenberg Air Force Base, and if I remember exactly it was going to be the shuttle discovery that was going to be based out of Vandenberg and then uh, well the Challenger accident happened and that's what kind of sort of killed the idea of using the the shuttle for uh, for polar orbit uh, missions
0: Right, because originally they were going to have to make the uh, the solid rocket boosters fiberglass if they were going to do that.
3: Correct. Absolutely correct. And that, was, that definitely was not going to be in the cards. Well,
1: Especially wait a minute. after but, Challenger. But wait a minute. The space shuttles had polar orbit missions before. Why would the specs on the SRBs need to change?
3: They were supposed to be for lighter. Um, uh, they were, were going to try to make it lighter um, to launch heavier payloads.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Of course, more government modifications. Uh-huh. But, I mean, basically, when you think about the shuttle, it's, you know, a complex piece of machinery that they've tried to kind of do too much with it. In a special on PBS that discussed the uh, Space Shuttle Columbia accident, it actually mentions there were too many people that were trying to get their input into the shuttle, at, like Gene was just saying, and this is what they got. They got something that was big and bulky, and they couldn't move it as fast as they intended. And if you look at all of the
2: responsibilities, the functions that were placed on the shuttle, they all kind of had conflicting design requirements as a result of trying to get too many people agreeing on a
0: single vehicle. I mean, the year that they got the most out of it was 1985, when I think they got six or seven missions in one year. I know for the next year after that, they had at least nine or ten scheduled in 1986. Of course, that ended with one, but it, they had high expectations for it. And I think for whatever they have in the future, they're going to have to avoid those high expectations of it. They have to figure that it can do less than it actually can and go from there, in my opinion. Right.
1: Yeah, too many cooks in the kitchen. We shouldn't repeat that same mistake again.
3: And that's what I think Bobby Braun is saying. We're not going to go ahead and do that. We are going to design the vehicle to meet whatever mission that it is it is given, and we are not going to go outside that, that design spec. Uh, and this is, again, in part and parcel with uh, the new uh, – I almost want to say the new budget, but, again, it's the new authorization. It's not exactly the budget yet. Uh, this uh, What was passed a few uh, – what was it, just last week – um, was uh, just simply the roadmap. That's not basically filing the money out for it, but uh, th- it's basically the plan that Congress wants to give NASA to follow through. And uh, Kay Bailey Hutchinson, um, who is the uh, senator from Texas, is basically praising this the uh, the passage of the new bill, um, saying that quote. And this is from I should mention where this is coming from. This is coming from the Hill. Um, today, uh, October tenth, 2010, to quote her, quote, this is a critical period for our vaunted space agency and our nation's proud heritage of innovation. Only a few months ago, NASA was at a crossroads as the administration's NASA proposal poised America to surrender its half century of leadership in space exploration. Our nation's, our nation's manned spaceflight program was approaching extinction just as the ISS was finally nearing completion. Uh, but she calls this, um, this new direction will allow America to again reach for the stars and put its best and brightest minds back to work, trailblazing a path into the future, close quote. Did anybody buy that? I'm not really too thrilled with what got passed the other the other day. Um, does anybody buy what, what uh, Ms. Hutchinson is selling her? I'm not.
0: <laughs> you know, I I think I'm with you on this one. It's if it was written out differently inside the actual bill, I would agree with her, but based on the plan that they have written out in the proposed or passed bill, depending on how you look at it, I think that uh it's basically trying to find a way to put it that we can keep our clean tag. It's I just don't agree with it. Shh
3: <laughs> I think it's a promissory note I think it's it's sort of saying that well we're going to build this heavy lift booster even though we don't have a mission defined for it yet we are going to build a multi-purpose crew exploration vehicle even though we don't have a mission in mind for it yet we think we're going to an asteroid but we're not sure yet we might move on to Mars but mm, then again we might not um uh, to me, it's, it's – again, I, I, it, I think we're about ready to make the same mistake twice. Um, I'll, I'll go back to the shuttle program one more time. Um, the space shuttle was never supposed to be the centerpiece of the U.S. space effort back in the 70s when it was first developed. It was supposed to be part of a low-Earth orbit system with a space station and this little shuttle to go ahead and build it and then service it later also it would also do other things and you know you service satellites and things like that but it was never meant to be the centerpiece of the US space effort and I guess this bill is kinda of sorta of setting us up to do the same thing I think I mean, grant you some may say that well alright we're trying to keep flexible we're trying to go ahead and design things um, that are going to meet multiple missions for multiple purposes gee does that have a familiar ring to it wasn't the shuttle supposed to be that multiple one vehicle for multiple things Um, you know so are are we going down the same path that we did with the shuttle or or what here guys what do you think with this with this new appropriations bill I think we are and I think we're setting us up setting ourselves up for a fall
0: Well, I know when it comes to, you know, the one vehicle for multiple tasks, I know that it was originally supposed to be two vehicles, but that was Orion and the whole Ares program. So I I don't know, because the shuttle wasn't supposed to be two vehicles. It was designed to be one. In this case, it was originally designed to be two vehicles, and due to budgetary constraints, it's down to one. So I don't know if it's the same thing or if it's, you know, same story, different day.
3: Well, when you're talking about the Orion, the the Orion was supposed to be it was supposed to be Orion, and if you recall, Altair, um, the Altair lander is no longer to be.
0: Right, but not just that. Also, the Ares One and the Ares Five.
3: Right. One for Aries. crew,
0: one for the supplies and the Altair and everything else.
3: Right, and if I believe the reason for that again was was. Um, an interpretation of the Columbia Accident Investigation Board, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Where they said that you could not launch crew and cargo on the same vehicle. Correct. So that's what Ares One was supposed to accomplish. It was supposed to make sure that that was not violated, where you have crew launching on one vehicle and then you have cargo launching on Ares Five. So.
0: You can see how much they stuck to that, though
3: yeah it's gonna be kind of interesting to see you know I'm surprised that uh, Admiral German isn't isn't you know apoplectic at this point
0: right but one other thing is if they're sticking to you know the whole solids idea because as you know Werner von Braun was entirely against people riding on solid rocket boosters and it seems like you know with Ares and Orion it was supposed to be that we'd be riding on uh, solids still but our do we now, at this point, say okay, solids aren't safe? We go to liquid only, like the Soyuz, or what?
3: I have uh, you, the ATK folks are, are, would be very displeased with you, Slayer. It's, um, it's just
0: uh, posing a question. It's not. I'm not saying that I'm totally against using solid rocket boosters for human flight because I'm not. I'm just wonder. Yeah.
3: Well, here, here's here's another little tidbit. After the Challenger accident, I believe there was a move to to figure out. Uh, a way to put liquid, throttleable liquid fuel rockets on on the shuttle, rather than using the SRBs, and uh, that was abandoned for some reason. So
0: wouldn't be uh, surprised if it was budgetary constraints as well.
3: I would not be a bit surprised if that was the case either. I'd have to do a little bit more homework on that, but I'm sure that uh, that was the whole reason behind it.
0: Right, because uh, I can tell you how a solid rocket booster works. I don't know much more about them.
3: Okay. But again, um, getting back to uh, what happened, I, I kind of read all of that and I was like, huh?" <laughs> was uh, our, our, did, was was you know Senator Hutchinson looking at the same bill that I was looking at. And if if you look at the way I'm looking at it and I know people are gonna start pounding me on the head for it, but I, I think we are trying to design something. You know, without really knowing what we're going to use it for yet. And that's what I don't like about this whole thing. And there's no guarantee we're going to get the money for any of this either because so, the appropriations thing still has to be looked into. into. So, um, am I can't I happy wait to with-
0: hear what the anti-NASA people, what the people say that are calling us anti-NASA have to say about this.
3: Well, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> there are a couple of people that have been saying that we're anti-NASA, which I'm not, but...
2: Well, That's what not. people are
0: saying based off of our comments. I can't wait to hear what they have to say about this one.
3: You know, it's funny. I can't win for losing. I, I get, I get, I get um, uh, accused of being a NASA shill on on occasion, and then now people are calling me anti-NASA. So <laughs> yeah, I just can't win. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, you know, again, it, it's it, it's just. I'm not anti-NASA. Believe me. I think NASA does a, does an extraordinary job of in exploration, and I think that's where they should go. Um, do we turn the whole thing over to the commercial guys? No. Again, commercial folks are in it for one reason and one reason only: for profit, for money. NASA's in doing exploration for exploration's sake. Whole different animal so can the two work together and peacefully coexist yeah I think NASA is going to stick to doing what it does best which is pushing the edge of the envelope with technologies and so on and pushing you know going places doing bold things but we have to go ahead and give it the money to do the bold things we're not doing it and I, I still say and a few other people have said this too that This bill does not give NASA the money to do what it needs to do, and that's just my stance.
0: What about Wayne Hale? Yeah,
3: that's a very good entrance here. Um, Wayne Hale was blogging. Uh, when he was uh, with NASA, and it was probably one of the best NASA blogs out there, um, you know, as far as the internal stuff was concerned. Um, I had 30 seconds with him um, at the STS 129 tweet up, and I learned a lot. I told him I learned a lot from, from reading his blog and also reading uh, uh, some of the things he had written about, you know, management and how to deal with. Uh, them some things in fact uh when i was i was a supervisor um at one job i actually adopted some of uh his his stuff and uh i told him that and i said thanks and he confessed he stole some of his stuff from other people so i guess it's it's all good but um since he's as most of you know that uh mr hale is no longer with nasa he is he is retired and um as such his Pretty much able to uh, to speak his mind as far as what was going on, and what how he saw uh, some things that were going on internal to NASA. And uh, wow, um, he uh, he wrote uh, a blog called "Chasing Augustine" dated October 8th that just basically um, lit up the Augustine Committee and uh basically said he did not want to be you know even have his any type of his name attached to it because of what was going on and what was what was happening um and uh Gina if you can help me out here a little bit as far mm-hmm. as uh, some some of what he was saying here
1: yep well it seemed to me like um the augustine committee was commissioned to choose the best path for nasa And they were tasked with coming up with a couple of options that Congress and the administration could choose from. And indeed, they came up with multiple options. But it seemed like those that they defined as worthy for a great nation were too expensive and never to be chosen. Somewhere in the middle of this process, the committee members went to the Office of Management and Budget and said, Okay, you've asked us to put this plan together. What can we reasonably expect? Has budget increased? And they said probably no more than three billion a year. And still, at that amount, NASA can't get the job done. I mean they have they still have um, <clears throat> other aeronautic tasks that they're trying to do, the James Webb telescope for one um, that other rover that they want to launch to Mars. I mean, there's still some other initiatives or directives NASA has that needs to be mission completed in the current working budget they have, which doesn't leave a whole heck of a lot for developing human spaceflight 2.0. So um, unfortunately, the committee went through this big process. I'm sure it was highly time-consuming, probably highly charged discussions within the committee members basically to come out with an outcome that that was never going to work anyways. And Wayne Hale described how in his blog that he decided, um, you know, very early on, he regretted that he agreed to it because he could see what was happening and how it was all going to play out. He was right. He's boycotted it. He's had his name taken off of any of the materials that are printed for the Augustine committee. And, um, he looks at it as a very tragic um, situation for NASA to be in. It's unfortunate, but, you know, until we have an administration, a Congress, whatever, that wants to equate the budget with the mission versus the mission with the budget, NASA's never really going to get off the ground. I mean, it's the old no, bu- no bucks, no buck Rogers. So we're still stuck now without um yeah we've we've managed to extend the life of the iss which is fantastic i mean we've basically just completed it now it'd be a shame to you know close it up in a couple of years and say okay that's it i mean we've just now completing it i mean so that's a victory but um considering we have no american way to get there and back that's unfortunate
3: and again, we're trapped in low Earth orbit now for a grand total of fifty-five zero years. If you go ahead and you count from the '70s with Skylab on through current, so we will be going around in circles for about fifty years, grand total. And to me, that's tragic. And Gene, if I'm if if I'm interpreting uh, uh, Mr. Hale's uh, comments here correctly. In his interpretation, was this whole thing just simply a dog and pony show?
1: Looks like it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and looks that way. I mean, that's so that's those are his comments. He that he feels like it was basically a ruse. Um, you know, it was an exercise for, I don't know, for who? For people in NASA to believe that there was some opportunity to do something more than they thought they were going to be doing. It was a way for the administration to potentially cancel Constellation. Um, It was a way for the Office of Management and Budget to say, we don't really care what the outcome is. This is all you're getting, so deal with it. You know, and this way you buy into whatever that choice is and nobody has to point the finger at us. So maybe it was all of the above, but Wayne Hale's comments indicate that clearly it it was – a show it was a facade i mean the outcome was going to be the outcome that the office of management and budget wanted from the get-go
2: just just another note for perspective at the end of his blog uh wayne hale says that with the weather turning cooler he knows where he can get some paper to start a fire going in the fireplace (laughs) that's that's a pretty low uh that's pretty low opinion ouch
3: well uh, the the man has always been a straight shooter. At least he's he's always struck me as such, and I mean he called it the way he saw it. And if in his estimation, you know, I, I'm biting my tongue here, but if but if you know the the, the entire commission process that we went through, what was it, about two summers ago, um, was a sham, then you know what are, what are we doing here, guys? <laughs> I mean, it, we've got to go ahead and, and and get some kind of plan together, and make it sustainable. And I think that's the key. And unfortunately, with that kind of sustainability and with all these bold plans, it takes takes a lot of money. And you have to give this agents all the all the jobs that you have tasked it to do. And again, I'll go back to what I just said a few you know a few minutes ago. What we passed a few, I guess it was just a few few short days ago does not do that. and I think that's I think this man would agree with that.
1: You know, when you've been flight director for over forty space shuttle missions, you pretty much understand everything that needs to go into um, getting humans off the earth safely and having them be able to accomplish something effectively when they're in space. so unfortunately, um, you know he he was able to see through this pretty quickly it looks like and early on in the process wanted nothing to do with it but um you know he had a he had agreed and um boycotted the event or the event of some sort of recognition for him participating and they mailed him the certificate anyways and that uh goes to mark's comment um he's considering you know using it as kindling wood in his fireplace Unfortunate, but I got to take the man's word for it. He's been around the block literally several, for what, 32 years at NASA? So.
2: I think it says a lot, too, that a man with his experience and qualifications in the uh, industry has said, I don't even want my name associated with this. And if there's an award, I don't want any part of it. And if you want the tip of the iceberg as to who got slapped in the face, I would say the tip of the iceberg, to some extent, is the people that were at the meetings at some of the individual centers where the commission came to get input from people at uh, – what were the locations? Kennedy, Johnson?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Was there a third, I think?
3: I know that went was, to Kennedy. I know that went, went to JSC.
2: Wasn't it sort of like a uh, –
3: uh,
2: oh, I don't know what the proper term, a town like hall? An open,
1: like an open town hall where just ordinary yeah. citizens could go and weigh in. Yeah,
2: come tell us what you think. Uh, never mind. We're not really interested.
3: That yeah. was DC. Yeah, they did that. something similar to that in DC. In fact, I, I almost went to that.
0: Oh, yeah. I remember they are going around almost like a little press tour.
3: Yeah, and they invited people – they invited the, the American public to go ahead and write in and basically, you know, say what they wanted to, to – what they thought of NASA and what they, they thought the mission should be. And, and
0: uh, didn't they also – show that live on NASA TV.
3: Yes, it did. In fact, I was watching it.
0: Me too. (laughs) So what was your impression
2: when you saw that? Did you feel good for the input that people were, were able to provide?
3: In all honesty, Mark, when I was watching this, I was like, here we go again. We've had, I don't know how many committees like this I mean, I'm I'm looking at one at one dated, and I've got it somewhere right here, in, in my my bookcase here, um, dated 1985, 86, 87, I think it was um, called uh, "Pioneering the Space Frontier," where it also had a roadmap, and this was put together, you know, basically, you know, we should go ahead, hit the moon again and then use it as a jumping off place to go to Mars and so on and so forth um, this was uh, uh, put together by a former NASA administrator Thomas Paine and uh, you know, we, we put that on the shelf and it just sat there and gathered dust uh, much the same way the the first Augustine committee uh, deal happened that just kind of sort of sat on the shelf and gathered dust this one I, I don't know I'm 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 still I'm still kind of scratched my head on this whole thing.
0: And yet, for me, taking a look at it, you know, not having seen any of the ones in the past from the '80s, uh, basically only seeing the ones that I saw for this Augustine commission, uh, at first it seemed like the points that people were bringing up really had potential. But just the way that the committee was handling it, they're like, "Okay, great. Next." is kind of the attitude they took to it. It's like, "Yeah, yeah, sure, whatever." And that's you could tell that attitude was implemented in the way that they wrote the bill, because you could tell that all of the bright ideas that people came up with were just thrown away.
3: Yeah, there's 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 nothing in there in in this in this thing from from those those bright ideas. All it really says is we're gonna have a heavy lift booster and we're going to have a multi purpose crew exploration vehicle which will be loosely based on the Orion. Let's be let's face it, it's going to be the Orion. But well,
1: let's use and the it, wo- let's use the words that the um, that that the committee chose themselves to select an option that was worthy of a great nation. End quote. And basically those options didn't didn't make the cut.
3: You're right. I mean, the the two the, there were three options on there, if I recall. One was um, one was you know going to Mars direct shot, which in my eyes was not doable. The second option was what they what everybody called the program of record, you know, Constellation, going to the Moon first and then using the Constellation at, you know, infrastructure to mount a trip over to Mars. Um, and then, of course, then we got to the, the, the plan that I was not really a big fan of, the infamous flexible path. To me, it was more of an excuse for a space program. Well, we might go here while we're developing this, and we might go there while we're developing this. And, you know, it, it was just sort of a it, – it, it, to me, that was an excuse for a space program. We've always been a goal – the program's always been goal-driven. Now we're kind of now we're kind of sort of in, in a in a mold where um well, we might do stuff no that's that's not going to excite anybody, so I don't know
0: all right now that was quite a heated topic, and uh I don't think we're done with heated topics yet, right mark?
2: yeah, pretty much uh I'm gonna put something in here from uh from left field uh. Everything we're talking about, the, the, the hopes of the space program and the realities of, of what the system is giving us, you know where some of the bright spots actually are. I hate to say it because we've criticized them, we've sort of made fun of them, but I think some of the hope for people having some bright ideas for coming up with new ways of implementing things and ways that can be done with funds that are available is going to be private space, the commercialization of uh, spaceflight. And, of course, it's going to take time. It's going to be slow. It's not going to be anything like, perhaps, we'd, we'd love to see or what the government could do if they just had a little bit of honest commitment and funding to it. And here's uh, here's something that I'm almost tempted to make fun of, but the FAA has issued their first-ever space grants, from what I read. This was dated September 30th on one of the pages that I see inside the FAA's uh, network, and it says that uh, the Office of Commercial Space, part of the FAA's business, they refer to the Obama administration being committed to make sure that the U.S. remains the world leader in space development and exploration, as spoke by the FAA administrator, Randy Babbitt. But uh, to that end, they're issuing the first, get this, $500,000, and the winner is... Several, uh, several institutions, organizations, but this first $500,000 in matching grants to ensure the resiliency of the U.S. space transportation infrastructure. And if you wonder what infrastructure is, I'll get, make this quick. It's $43,000 to the New Mexico Spaceport Authority for an automated weather observ- observing system. 225. 227,000 and a few dollars to the Alaska Aerospace Corporation for a rocket motor storage facility, aka high-tech warehouse. $125,000 to the East Kern Airport District in Mojave, California for an emergency response vehicle which uh, somewhere else I read that that could be used for both aviation and spacecraft in other words, uh, I'm, okay, I'm stretching this, but to me that's a, an airport fire truck. Also, $104,000 and some to the Jacksonville, Florida Airport Authority to develop a spaceport master plan. And uh, okay, so they're providing some matching funds. Big whoopee doo. Yeah. Airports get runways that get resurfaced, they get improvements on airport lighting. The FAA provides funding in many, many different ways for airports to, to keep up that infrastructure. But at least here's the first $500,000 going out of the bucket to uh, to these places to to get some things that they've asked for. And you got to ask to get the money, as I've seen around uh, places I've worked.
3: Yeah, again, Mark, do you think there's also other dual purposes behind this? You know, given, you know, Homeland Security concerns and things like that.
2: I don't know. Most of this seems pretty simple and straightforward. It's pretty basic stuff. Um, You know, it could be things to some extent, maybe other than the rocket motor storage facility. I mean, it could be some things that uh, they could get just out of normal airport uh, improvement monies. So I don't know.
3: Yeah, I was thinking more along the lines of the uh, emergency response vehicle and yeah, uh, the weather stuff. Because I'm, I'm
2: yeah.
3: yeah, I'm I'm thinking homeland security stuff. So I'm thinking nah, that,
2: that's nah, It in one case the automated weather system I maintain one of those. That's that's nothing. That's small potatoes. That's something that's, <laughs> okay. that's 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 at airports all over the place. Some of them FAA, some of them National Weather Service, some of them privately owned by the individual you know small airport authorities that's that's just infrastructure for weather but okay. uh, anyway just thought i'd throw that in um, learn,
3: something, learn something new every day
2: yeah there's there's things ahead and uh boy i sure hope it doesn't sound as as gloomy as as we feel from what what we talked about with with wayne hale and his his opinions on the uh Augustine Commission.
0: Alright, thank you Mark, and with that, I believe that brings episode 235 to its conclusion. So I'd like to thank everybody for joining us. Thank you very much Gene McCulka.
3: A lot of fireworks tonight Sawyer, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot more in the future.
0: Thank you as well, Mark Ratterman. I appreciate it, and
2: uh, as we record this in less than 48 hours, for myself, I'll be down at Cape kennedy again and uh, this will be for crew arrival for the tcdt the terminal countdown demonstration test and uh hopefully get a chance to also be at a uh interview opportunity with the crew out at the pad later in the week so got some exciting stuff that hopefully i'll have some tidbits for you on our next show and uh again good talking with everybody i love to learn and y'all brought some good stuff to the table tonight thank you
0: Looking forward to that. We have so many great things coming up in the next five weeks. And some of them we can't even tell you yet, but you will love them. Thank you as well, Gina Hurley.
1: You are very welcome.
0: And with that, once again, we'd like to thank you for joining us and listening and putting up with all of our terrible jokes and our comments. And as always, have a great day, night, evening, or whatever it may be, where you are.